Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Welcome to Down With D&D. I'm Sean Merwin, and today I have not one, not two, but three co-hosts. Three people who have been on the show before. Three luminaries in the world of D&D. We have Mr. James Intercasso. Hello. Mr. Scott Fitzgerald Gray. Hello. And Mr. Michael Sly Flourish Shay. I'm the, I'm the only one who gets a middle name like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's cool. Well, James and, and Scott aren't cool enough to have it's no, no, it's because these. if you were to grab any of the things they have done, the name would go on for like two hours. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And it's you just do some lazy DM stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. So for anyone who has been living under a rock and does not know the three of you, I'd like you to introduce yourself and just talk for a second about what you do or have done in the RPG industry. Let's start with Scott, since he's the best looking of us all. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Scott Gray. I'm a freelance um, editor, story editor, development editor, fiction editor, all sorts of other word stuff. And I've been freelancing for RPGs uh, since about 2004, and I've spent most of that time doing work for Wizards of the Coast, uh, including being lucky enough to have worked on the core rule books for 5th edition, and a whole bunch of cool stuff since then. Awesome. Thank you. Let's go with Mike next. Um, so I'm Mike Shea. I, I, write a, I write for a website called Sly Flourish, and I'm a designer who's worked on a bunch of different things for, for Wizards of the Coast and many other companies. Um, but I'm probably most well-known for a book I wrote called uh, The Lazy Dungeon Master and the sequel to that called Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. And last but certainly not least, James. Uh, I am James Intracasso, and I have worked on a bunch of different stuff. I've worked with uh, Wizards of the Coast on some Dungeons & Dragons books. I've worked with uh, Critical Role on the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Uh, I've worked with uh, MCDM on some upcoming stuff. Uh, that's Matt Colville's production company. I'm a DM's Guild Adept. Done a bunch of stuff for the Adventures League. I have a blog called worldbuilderblog.com, and I co-own and operate the Don't Split the Podcast network of podcasts where I host Tabletop Babble. And if there is ever a lineup, myself included, of people who are thankful that 5th edition D&D is doing as well as it is, <laughs> it is this lineup right here. That's true. <laughs> uh, because I, I think, uh, even though we've all worked you know, in previous editions, uh, for the most part, fifth edition has been kind to us, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and and uh, so we are certainly thankful for that. I just wanted to get to one bit of news I just thought of. D and D Live was announced today, mm -hmm. uh, and since they cannot do it live, they are going to do it online. So, in a few weeks, I believe that the weekend is the week of the 18th, so June 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, you will be able to attend D&D Live from the, your very own home. Um, they will not only be announcing what the new uh, product is for this, the end of this year, they will be having uh, celebrities of all stripes from actors and actresses and comedians and professional wrestlers uh, playing D&D &D 
and you will also be able to play from your very own home thanks to the Adventures League, which will be putting out some adventures and providing DMs for you. So if you have always wanted to play or play online or play in the Adventures League, now is the chance to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about the new product, even though I can't say what it is yet, uh, <laughs> but I'm excited about the chance to be able to hear it in such a venue. So are we all going to be attending? That's the question. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I will be <laughs> in this it's, chair. It's opening up yeah, Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, James, James, are you part of uh, it? I, in the sense that I will also be watching it. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I am, uh, I, I think the, the people who are going to be part of this one are the, uh, the big bad celebs uh, that have sort of been gotcha. announced. Um, and I know there are some people who are actually running, games um for people uh but i am not i'm just i'm just a casual observer here and uh excited to to be so i'm excited to see what comes up and to uh to support red nose day i think that's gonna be great yeah yeah yeah, yeah they're fun to watch i'm a person who always constantly laments that i never get to leave my house and go out to do cool stuff <laughs> so this is absolutely right up my alley so yeah yes no, more, more fomo there's no fomo with exactly. this one. right yeah. yep because Yeah. Yep. Fear of missing online. Yeah, right. Because everyone's FOMO. Exactly. So everyone can be there. Everyone (laughs) uh, will be there. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, in the past, these D&D live shows and James uh, was at the one last year. It's it's a pretty wild experience. Um, And it's it's hard to capture that sort of energy with online unless you do it so big that it kind of overwhelms the senses of everyone sitting at their computers. And I think that's what they're going for. And if that lineup is any indication, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of celebrity all at once. It is. For, for d It is. But, you know, and it, it'll also be fun to just log in and play, mm-hmm. especially if you normally can't find a DM or can't find a group. Um, by the time this show drops, signups should be available uh, at Wizards website to uh, sign up for games so oh i didn't know they were doing that so they're having game signups as well it's not just watching other people play. this is this is the truth yeah cool yeah, yeah it's right it's hour-long slots that they have going oh, uh great so and it, i think they're i think they said that it's it's different games so you could get in there and play more than once maybe yep yeah four four one-hour adventures they're different so you could play all four mm-hmm. Do we know what these adventures are? Uh, I'm not. We, even though probably by the time this show drops, it will have been announced. Uh, we'll just say it's you know. Do we do we know somebody who typically writes one hour, one hour adventures? Who might have written one hour adventures or something like that? There, there are so many. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't tell you. It's a long list. Well, what we are here to talk about, uh, even more exciting than a new D and D book. <laughs> is a Kickstarter that has just recently dropped by at least three gentlemen who might want to talk about it. So whoever is the spokesperson for the group, step right up and tell us what you guys are doing. 
I vote James. I vote James too. Oh boy. Uh, Man, these, the three-way partnerships are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to vote yeah. quick. Uh, yeah, so we're, we have a Kickstarter ongoing right now for Fantastic Layers, which you can check out at fantasticlayers.com. Um, and it is a Kickstarter uh, for a book of 5e awesome boss battles uh, and climatic encounters, or climactic encounters. Sorry, climatic encounters is a is a different book uh that's all about right. a lot of weather climate. yeah right? fantastic yeah. weather that's going to be right. it, it, in 10 years we'll be dealing with climactic encounters <laughs> but, but <laughs> climatic we'll encounters. do climatic yeah yeah exactly and um and sort of the the homes that these bosses live in where adventurers will find them they're made to be dropped into your game uh and they can be played either as like the capstone to a multi-session adventure right like oh here here we are and we've been spending weeks uh, hunting this night hag and now we're finally at her lair or they could be a uh, oh no I didn't prepare anything and now I need a short dungeon crawl and here you go we've got that covered for you too uh, why don't you go uh, kill the uh, the cockatrice in the caves of the cockatrice right um, so it's that sort of thing but we did do a lot of focusing on that sort of first leg of like how can we make these awesome boss battles that you can build up to hmm all right, so I have to ask, where did this idea come from? Uh, who, where did it originate? Mm, I vote Mike for this one. Yes. <laughs> so uh, late, later, I, I think I, I told this story eventually to become true. That uh, I think it was um, like fall of last year. Uh, James and I were were chatting, and uh, James said something along the lines of, "You know, anytime you want to work together on a project, we should work on something." And I'm like, well, how about right now? Like, why, you know, yeah, yes, yes, I would like to do that. And hey, let's talk to Scott Gray too and, and, and get him involved. And so we knew that we were going to do something. And uh, I think, I, and I, I, I don't even remember like who had what part of the idea, but uh, I, one of us brought up uh, the fourth edition book, Dungeon Delves, mm -hmm. as a book that is highly respected. And yet there's not a lot of books that are hitting that, that design uh, specifically. There's a lot of books of short adventures and one-shot adventures, but even those are still a little bit long, right? They're still intended to be generally like four-hour style adventures. Right. And granted, like in fourth edition, Three Rooms was a four-hour adventure. Yeah, but, you know, can we, you know, can we, there's still something about that that sort of short layer idea. And then the, I think the other side of it was, what about boss fights? You know, boss, you know, I'm I'm big on, how do we help DMs uh, better improvise at, 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 at the table? And there's lots and lots of parts of D&D &D and, and fifth edition of D&D &D that you can improvise at the table. But there are some things you really can't improvise particularly well. And one of those is boss battles. Like boss battles are actually pretty hard to design and you need to do them relatively carefully, uh, even as a DM. And um, so that's a heavy lift, right? When to run a good boss fight is a, is a heavy lift in, in running a game. And uh, I think we're all kind of interested in how do we do how do we do that heavy lift for the DM, right? How can we offer a product that makes DMs' lives easier? Is something I think we've all focused on. Yeah. So that um, that was kind of the, the the beginning of the design, and we refined from there. Uh, we actually had I, I'm trying to remember how many, but it was like 30 different titles <laughs> for this product, and of course the title is going to define the product a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we went all over with a whole bunch of them. Some of them were really, really, really wonderful titles. 
and um, we refined them down to the ones that we thought would be most likely. And then we reached out to a fair number of people and said, hey, we're working on a project. Here's you know, the two line description of what it is. Here's some titles that we have, what do you think? And we got sort of survey results that sort of narrowed it down and said, you know, Fantastic Layers really kind of nails the, 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 the right, you know, sort of the, the right tag for this thing. And then you know, making sure that in our subtitle, he said you know, boss battles and, and climactic encounters is, is really that focus. So that's, that's kind of how it all coalesced okay. uh, down, to that, down to that central topic. All right, and uh, Scott, when, when did you become involved? Did you, were you involved earlier or did you just have to fix everything these guys were? <laughs> <laughs> I came in a little bit later. I remember the first email that I got from Mike, uh, the idea of doing a book of boss battles, that was already the parameters. Mm-hmm. So Mike and James had already been talking about that and I kind of got it to that level. Um, but basically everything that we've done so far, I mean, we're, we're splitting the work uh, up, in, up, up in different ways, but we're all kind of throwing ideas into the mix. We're all working together at every stage just to sort of make sure that everything has as much, um, as much creativity going into it as, as, as we possibly can. Uh, and certainly, I mean, like what, my own experiences as a writer, my own experiences as an editor, um, work is always best when you've, got, when you've got ideas coming in from different directions. I mean, on some level, that's that's a lot of what I do as an editor. It's not it's not going in and fixing stuff, quote unquote, so much mm-hmm. as it is just um, helping helping to bring stuff out that the writer maybe just wasn't able to focus on, mm-hmm. right? Because when mm-hmm. we're writing things, we there's there's this kind of tunnel vision, and we get on a where we find ourselves unable to sort of see the big picture sometimes. So having other people look at something, having fresh eyes on things is a really, really effective way to make sure that you're covering all the possible angles. And certainly the work that we've been doing, building these encounters, that's really come to the fore because we've started with initial ideas and everybody's like, hey, that's really great. What if we do this with it? Or what if we did that? And for every five ideas you come up with, you throw four away, but the one that sticks in most cases is the one that really, really kind of raises it up to the next level. So you go through the process of raising up each of these encounters to the next level four or five times. Um, and what we've what we come up with at the end has been some some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does a purchaser of this product get? Sure, yeah. So the uh, initial goal, um, right? The the hey, we we reached our funding goal is a book of ten encounters, uh, and and by ten encounters, we really should say ten layers because each layer does have like. Uh, you know, fights with lackeys and exploration encounters. And uh, you've also got social encounters and and then the boss fight, right? Um, so you've got a, a 10 different layers, um, each of them with an optimized level. And then each, each layer has advice for like, here's how you could scale it up or down. But the optimized levels cover uh, the first two tiers of play levels, one through 10, right? Um, and then... Uh, it, our stretch goals are going to be more layers. So the book could have as many as 20 layers and cover all levels of play. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so, so that's what you get. Uh, that's sort of the meat of it. But then there's also going to be uh, advice on to as to how you can uh, create your own layers and also modify the layers we've given you further uh, and there is you know a, a great introduction about sort of how to run the layers um, which is written in the typical 
uh, shall we say, Mike Shea, Sly Flourish style, uh, which is, uh, I know, helped make me a much better DM than I am. So I'm very glad uh, that we have that in there. Um, So those are sort of the initial things we're looking at. Uh, I believe another stretch goal is also an art book, Mike. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so each layer uh, has uh, uh, art of the villain, uh, the the boss monster that goes along mm-hmm. with it. Uh, and they're these super evocative, really cool pieces. Um, we're working with some great artists on this. Uh, so we'll have an art book there that will make it easy for you to say, this is what you see and you can hold it right up to your players. Or if you're on a virtual tabletop, you can, you know, easily access that art. Uh, and similarly, uh, if you're on a virtual tabletop, you, the maps will be separated. So you can just pop those right onto the table. Awesome. And so Mike, uh, how, how was your experience with writing this sort of advice uh, based on the, the either the layers that you created or that someone else created yeah so the the nice thing is we're all pretty heavily involved in all of the layers that we're putting together Mm -hmm. there's certainly a uh a central you know like like you know the way it's been working out is that james and i have been splitting up the initial drafts of it but we all dive in right at the beginning and we were all we were all involved in the initial kind of pitches for each of these of, of these layers and, 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 and vetoed some of them and in some cases, uh, stole them from one another. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was one that James wrote that I absolutely had to write. I'm like, I got it. I got to have that one here. You have this one and I'll <laughs> take that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there isn't like the Mike Shea layers and, and like the James Intercastle layers. They're all like, we're all part of all of them. Uh, and, and, but one of the things that is important to us is, is to kind of use the book to help teach dms how to fish right so we have design ideas in here and advice that's that's placed in there that's specific to the layer and specific to like tuning the layer uh that we hope dms will sort of internalize and then use later when they're either running other adventures or running their own adventures they can kind of use these ideas and a lot of them are like how do you tune a battle while you're in the middle of running it mm-hmm. or you know what you know some sometimes we'll do it like as a breakout box so I'll have a breakout box that's like, you know, be careful with your level one characters because they can die very easily. Right? You know, so don't, don't throw the kitchen sink at them. And then other times we won't argue with that, what James said. Um, and, and other times um, it, it's wired right into the text, right? right? So we do a lot of reskinning in here. Not, not, not exactly reskinning, but like modifications of existing monsters, right? So we're using all SRD monsters uh, throughout throughout the book, but a lot of times we're adding elements to those monsters to show how you can either change their nature a little bit mm-hmm. or give them give them other abilities that kind of you know kick them up to that to that boss level, and and our hope is that a DM will read that and say, oh that's cool, I can just grab these you know how can I turn a giant into a vampire giant, right, and without having to actually do anything. Uh-huh. And, you know, and we show a way to do that, right? <laughs> so yeah. so the, the, the hope is that people not only can use this stuff directly, you know, right out of the book, but also, you know, learn some of the techniques that, that we've all learned to make our lives easier as DMs and yeah. to make games run a little bit better. Okay. So this t- question might be hard, but I'm, I'm going to try to phrase it the best way possible. When, when I hear the title, I hear Fantastic Layers. I think cool, and, and then that's I hear good. That's good. boss, and I hear boss fights, and I think cool. 
But to me, those are two very different things. Mm. And for me, the best boss fights are there. There's a crescendo. Everything that has come before is important in that boss fight. So how do you make a boss fight that isn't a crescendo of everything that might have come before? If that makes sense. That does make sense. I mean, we kind of, in a weird way, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too with this book mm-hmm. because we're, we're recognizing that what we're, what we're giving people is, is sort of a piece of the adventure puzzle, the piece of the campaign puzzle that they might be putting together. We're giving them an ending and we're openly suggesting in, in most cases that people look at that ending and then figure out their own route to get there. Like okay. each of these encounters starts out with, you know, here's how you can hook this into your campaign. Right. Here's how you could set up a number of shorter adventures leading up to this, right, where the player, where the characters are investigating something or they're following something or they've interacted with some sort of monster previously, which is going to lead them into this final encounter. Okay, we even talk in some cases about once this once this epic boss battle encounter is finished, where might it spin off after that, because it could lead to other things. Right. Um, that's been one of the most challenging parts of the whole process, I think, and one of the most interesting parts, because we are, we're designing things that are meant to be used piecemeal without having the slightest idea what people might be using them for. We can offer up suggestions. We can keep things as loose and as flexible as possible. But at the end of the day, it's really kind of going to that spirit of, you know, improv- improvising D&D games is often the most satisfying way of playing. Right. When you can keep things fast and loose and when you can just sort of pull ideas from lots of different places, when the DM can react sort of in real time to anything the players throw at them and just sort of roll it into what's going on. And all of these encounters are kind of set up with that in mind. Right. So the idea is we're presenting like a core sort of like a like a central bit. And then there are all these possible directions going into that bit. There are all these threads that you could possibly you could possibly hook your uh, hook your adventures and your campaign on. And we're just leaving it up to the DM basically to look at all this and say, you know, this seems like a really cool idea. Out of all these mm-hmm. possible suggestions, this is the one that kind of you know really really appeals to me. And to right. we're what we're actively hoping is that DMs who pick the book up are going to sort of. Um, um, take that as an opportunity to sort of build their own adventures and to, and to sort of wire what they would normally be doing into this great sort of just this, this great single climactic beat in the last act. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's, I think that's a great point because, you know, when you design an adventure, if you're designing it well and truly you're writing it from, from start to finish, when you get to the finish, you see all the great ideas that you have built up over time. And then you should go back and write from from finish to beginning, mm-hmm. right? You should say, "Ooh, in this boss fight, that I have this great idea, but I need to seed those ideas backward." So if you start with your your ending, and then you develop backwards from there, it really does teach you as a as a DM and as a designer how to do that work backwards to to take those ideas that come later and put them in at the beginning as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. James, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh no, I yeah, I I just agree. I very very much a, a agree with that, and I you know I think what Scott said is true, and that's one reason this has been a trickier thing than we thought. Right? It's not just designing a lair with a cool monster at the end. Um, you know, we we want to help DMs get to that point where they can build up and and the plot every 
every villain's evil plot is kind of very important and takes center stage somewhat. Um, you know, there are certainly layers where uh, the the villain, the 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 boss monster, maybe is not as capable of having an evil plot as uh, as some are, right? Like a you know, uh, obviously, like a hag and a were rat have more sapience than, say, a cockatrice, right? Um, cockatrice but, isn't trying to take over the world. It's not. It's not. But it is. It it is still a nefarious creature that has stuff going on that make it a unique cockatrice and uh, and make it want to uh, and and make it love the lair that it's in. So I think that's that's a big big portion of this too. Is like, hey, here are some cool evil things that the villain is doing. Uh, that you'll need to stop and will experience throughout kind of all aspects of the lair, right? And so that also helps you build up, even if you're just dropping this as a one-shot onto your players, um, you're like, oh, this whole thing is kind of centered around this individual and what they're all about. Kind of like, um, you know, a, a small version of Castle Ravenloft, right? Which is all Strahd. Um, and, and even when you go in there, you're like, man, this place reeks of vampire and, and specifically sad, manipulative jerk vampire. Uh, and it's the same thing, you know, when, when you go into, uh, one of these lairs, you feel the presence of the boss monster, uh, in every aspect or boss monsters Mm -hmm. in many cases, uh, Uh there's more than one. So what is the difference then between a regular encounter and a boss fight? Other than hey, you know oh, what? Cool. There, this is the end. <laughs> oh, I'm making, I make, I can see some thoughtful faces out there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think right. I think in all of our media, uh, there's an expectation for that, right? Like if you watch a movie um, where the there is that end sequence uh, where they fight the big bad, uh, or if you watch a television show that it's like a monster of the week television show when they fight the big bad versus fighting the, the minions or the henchmen or whatever, it is a different thing. It is a big epic climax. Um, when you read a book, right, you might read about Drizzt Doerd and fighting lots and lots of goblins or demons or something. But when he gets to that end encounter and he fights the big bad, that is way more on the line. Right. And so I think it's, giving dms uh, the tools to invoke that feeling in your players right and and there's a couple ways that's done one is like uh ideally a lot of boss battles end in a place where players feel like it was tough but they're victorious Mm -hmm. right um so giving them the options for that but then also giving them the options to raise the stakes in ways beyond uh you know the, the villain is a really big bag of hit points that's going to take you a while to defeat right like again bringing in that story of the villain giving them fun things to do and making the lair a uh, almost another creature in that encounter that is an extension of the boss i think is important uh as well to get the feeling of like who it's we're we're in trouble here like we're we're, we've got to stand here and we've got to be able to beat this boss but it's not a sure thing, right? And, and I think that's the feeling you want the players to have. Even if you as the DM know, this is probably going to be a sure thing for them. So who got to write all the dramatic boss monologues? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a couple. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly some fun. I don't know if there's like not, long not, monologues. As much yeah, as we not, all not love yet. flavor text. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, yeah. 
I think we managed wow. to avoid having like the page and a half long See, box text. There will be for our Tarraskin counter. The, uh, <laughs> the is going to have a lot of yeah, a long, long it's, it's very erudite. The, the Tarask is like, I've got a lot to say. Yeah, it's a Tarask in a tuxedo, uh, like a Bond villain. Thousand years of pictures have been killing a cat. Yeah, I've been sitting yeah. here. It's reading books. It's got little mono, you know, little glasses on. Well, you, what you're missing there is the uh, stretch goal of having have to some that. famous actor read the dramatic monologues from each of these encounters. <laughs> Included as in play this MP3 before Morgan you Freeman reading the dramatic monologue <laughs> of, of all these encounters. So. Yeah. How how tough was it to to make this? Uh, I know, you know, I've worked with each of you uh, in in some way, uh, and it was hell. So I, you know, how was <laughs> how was working together? Uh, how did it manifest itself in this project? I mean, I you know, to me, they're probably like, oh man, working with Mike was miserable. But you know, I I have found. I think I think this this type of collaboration is is awesome, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. I think working together this way, I think we're making a much stronger product than certainly like I would have been able to do on my own. And uh, you know, every aspect of that has been has really been a delight. The the pro and I would you know on a difficulty scale, like to me, like a, that the the sort of sly flourishy advice stuff comes pretty easy. So that's not usually hard. And then doing a book, you know, doing like a book of adventures is certainly harder. This one's had some sort of interesting angles that we always have to keep in mind so we don't fall into mm -hmm. writing adventures, right? And one of them is remembering that we're not writing an adventure. We're mm -hmm. writing the end of an adventure. But we're also still trying to write something that you could use on your own if you need to, right? So like if you want to have a short, a short adventure, you can run it as a short adventure. So we want to make sure that they're not incomplete or that they don't, they don't, you know, we're, our whole point is to try to make life easy for a DM. So if, you know, we, if we leave out the wrong thing, we'll make it hard for a DM, right? So we don't want to do that. So that's certainly been tricky. And I think there've been a couple of times where we've looked at what we've done and said, you know, we have to, you know, pull back on this part because we're, we're building an adventure, right? And put more in here because we are building, you know, climactic, climactic encounters with bosses. So um, that keeping that angle in mind, because it's, it's been a different kind of product uh, for me has been, has been trickier. Um, but yeah, the, the, the rest of the design process and the collaboration process has just yeah. been a yeah. delight. I like to what Mike said. I mean, one of the things, uh, two things, I guess, that have made this really made this a fun project to work on or, I mean, one, one is that we're kind of, we've been able to take our time with it. We sort of been looking at it saying, you know, like each of us is busy doing other stuff. We've all got things that are going on. We're working on other books at the same time. So we've been very lucky to be able to say, we're going to give this project as much time as it needs, right? <laughs> we're going to basically, you know, we're going to start throwing ideas around. We'll see how that goes. We'll see what kind of a pace gets set up as a result of that. And then we will, we'll kind of build our schedule around that as opposed to arbitrarily coming up with a schedule and saying, okay, we need, you know, we're going to be done this in two months or three months or what have you. So that's made it really, really nice because it means that we can spend as much time on it as we want to. And certainly as much time as the work needs. Um, the other thing that's really, really good. And one of the reasons that I really, I, I jumped at the chance to work with, um, with Mike and James when they asked me was that the opportunity to work together on a book like this doesn't happen that often. Um, Mike and I met first when we worked uh -huh. on the D&D uh, &D Next Adventure, um, Adventure Vault of the Dracolich, which we did with, uh, with Teos of Adea. 
And that was one of the very few instances of uh, me working on a Watsi project where I was actually able to work directly with the people that I was, that were putting the book together, right? Sort of like editing, development, design, all kind of sitting down around the table, working at the same time, throwing ideas around. And it's a really cool process. And it unfortunately doesn't happen that often. I mean, James and I have worked together on many books, but James and I have never worked until now together on any of those books. It's because true. for most RPG works, the design cycle, the development cycle, and the editorial cycle go in, the, in, in as three distinct stages that way. And there's lots of back and forth, and you may email people, and you may get some notes and have some conversations, right? But it's not this process that we're doing, <laughs> where we're sitting down and we're working directly face-to-face -face every day. You know, once a week, we do a, we do a hangout. Where we can sort of talk through stuff. We're emailing constantly. And all the ideas that go into this book are coming from everyone at the same time. And I think that really, really makes uh, a much richer creative experience, uh, certainly from my, from my perspective anyway. Did, just purely mechanical, did you, did you do this via like Google Docs or any sort of sharing where you could actually watch someone work in real time? Uh, or did you do it via email? We did it, we did it via, via Google Docs, but uh, not using Google Docs. I've, I've just, just because, Google Docs really doesn't lend itself as well as it should to RPG styles. And I find mm -hmm. it a real pain to convert from Google Docs to Word. So what yeah. we did was basically Mike and James as they're doing the initial writing are both working in Word. We're posting the Word documents onto Google Drive and then we're commenting there. Okay. So they're taking the comments to coming up with a new Word version. So everybody's working independently, but we're commenting together, which is yeah. pretty well, I think. It's not, it's not 100% ideal. Um, but it's, uh, but it's, 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 it's doing the job so far. So. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll, you'll keep your styles together. So when it comes to actually putting it into a layout, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the styles will still be there. Um, uh, we also have like a, a shared, like we have that shared Google drive that it, at least for me is the, the directory that I work in. Yeah. So mm -hmm. all of the art and all of, you know, everything else. And we have five or six different spreadsheets of, of stuff that we put in there to kind of keep track. We, you know, when we were doing the names that was all in there. So it was nice to kind of have this one big bucket that we're all working yeah. in. And it's, uh, um, you know, one of the things that is really cool for me is that uh, these are two people that I sort of idolize that I get to work with, right? Um, so uh, Mike and Scott, but their names are all over my shelf. Um, and uh, and working in this way, this collaborative way, uh, like Scott said, like I've worked with Scott uh, a bunch if you look at our credits on paper but this is the first time I've actually gotten to learn from Scott right mm -hmm. and so like I'm looking at things that I'm like wow I've done this right a bunch and it's wrong like every time I've done this it's wrong and Scott has had to correct it probably every time <laughs> and now I'm learning how to do it properly right so like this is uh for me it's it's and you know certainly formatting and and style and grammar stuff but also uh you know just learning uh how to uh, up my game uh, sort of in, in many, many ways getting to work collaboratively like this is, is really good. Um, and it is reminiscent of projects I have worked on with uh, you and Will, Sean. So uh, in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that, 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 that I had that exact same experience when I was working with, with Teos and Scott on Vault of the Dracolich that like, you know, I felt like I improved 20, 30% from that whole interaction. And that really taught me like the difference between a 4E style adventure and a 5E style adventure, which I had never sure, written before. Sure. 
weren't many, right? But that kind of breaking out of the mold of like the three room, you know, linear style of dungeon building was a a big difference. And I wouldn't have gotten that if I hadn't been working directly with Scott and with Teos on that. So I I knew that when we were working on this, that that was going to be something too. And, and I think it's one, one thing I think is pretty interesting is, is there's a few different sort of styles of collaboration that go on. And mine for the most part has been, uh, you know, the design part of it has been relatively solo. I'll sort of come up with the idea and I might bring people in and have them read over what I'm doing and take a look at where I'm going and, and, and stuff like that. But in, until it gets to sort of the first and second draft where, you, you know, usually when I would work with Scott, you know, and, and, and hand it over to him, you know, most of it was at least the, the base of it was written at that point. Um, and, and I always felt like, you know, the, the products like that have a strong advantage for having a single author's voice on them, assuming that that author's voice is worthwhile. And, and then there's the, the kind of the flip side where I've, I've also, and I think we've all had freelance work that we've done this way, where you're sort of one of 20 different freelance authors that are working on something and you'll kind of do your part, but you're not really that interconnected with any of the other people that are doing the other 19 pieces. You kind of do your part and you'll throw it over the wall and then, you know, six months later, it's published and you, d- you never even got feedback. Maybe you got feedback somewhere in there, but a lot of times right. I never did. Right. And I, you know, there were years where I would write stuff and never get a word back on whether they liked what I did or not. Other than I got more work. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll accept that right. that's probably, you know, probably pretty happy where <laughs> right. I wouldn't be getting more work. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think that this, this is sort of the sweet spot in the middle where we have multiple minds. We all know what we're looking for on this but we started from the, at the ground level of, of working together on this. And I think it's sort of the better of both worlds, right? It's not one person's voice exclusively, and it's not the 20 different voices that have never really been interconnected. It's three people who, you know, all of us love this stuff like crazy. We've all been working on this stuff for a long time, and we all like each other. And to be able to kind of sit down and, and work on this whole thing together uh, you know, it's been a, mm-hmm. a really great and unique experience. Yeah. Awesome. So is there anything else before we wrap up that you would like to share about your experiences with this project, uh, things that people should look for in the project, uh, stretch goals that people should be aware of, anything like that? Um, so we're, we're in day four when this podcast drops. Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Day four ish. Um, And, uh, so, so you, uh, at least one stretch goal has been revealed, right? Because we're going to launch with one, I think, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I think the big thing for me is that we, uh, have all tried very hard to keep sort of the the story of the the layers and the creatures within them, specifically the bosses, uh, very sort of forward and at the front of our minds, and let that then drive all of the mechanics and uh, you know fun little traps and hazards and things like that. And then the other big thing that we really tried to do was make it. Uh, customizable right make it super super easy that you can go in here and uh, because you might have a party of all half-orc barbarians right um 
<laughs> and uh, and and if that's the case, right, um, we want you to be able to adjust accordingly. And so we've included uh, advice for how to do that. And uh, at Mike calls them different dials on the monsters that you can mm-hmm. sort of keep your hands on. But also there are dials within the lair and and that sort of thing. So uh, and we want your characters to be able to approach the layers in the ways that they would like to approach them right i think we talk a lot about the pillars of play uh and prep as dm but um i i think and i know mike sort of agrees with this players kind of pick the pillars uh and you're presenting the situation in the encounter and then the players decide are we going to kill it talk to it or sneak around it right um and so that is uh we we are presenting some situations uh that uh, hopefully are very fun for uh and and uh full of shenanigans and showdowns <laughs> much shenanigans mm-hmm so, all right, with that, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to ask each of you to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet or follow your stuff. Scott, let's start with you. Uh, people who are interested can find me on Twitter as Scott F. Gray or at my website, insaneangel.com. And Mike? So the best place to find my stuff is at slyflourish.com. And uh, you can, I can be reached at uh, twitter.com slash slyflourish. And James? Uh, so I'm at worldbuilderblog.com. Uh, I am at uh, don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com and on Twitter at James and Tricasso. Thank you all so much for coming on the show and talking with us about fantastic layers and boss fights. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Sean, what are we going to do? Yeah, thank you. What are we going to do? Well, right now, I'm going to tell people where they can find me. Oh, darn it. Yeah. I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. I was too excited. That's okay. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Sean. (laughs) Kill monsters. Oh, sorry. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. Thank you all for supporting the show. Uh, You can talk to us at forums.misdirectedmark.com. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So what was that that we were going to do? Uh, go hire some game designers. Whee! <laughs> and support. <laughs> and go support talk to some people stuck in cells. Yeah, go kill some boss Yay. monsters. Woo! Kill some bots monsters. <laughs> we did it. Nailed we it. We done did it. That was perfect. <laughs> that was could not have you can, you can fix that all better. Exactly. You done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You done with D and D. You done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm done with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's done with D and D?